All right. Any guys know what this is? What, what do you see? What would you think if you're walking down the street and you see somebody carrying this? What do you think? That's right. You know, when we give our lives to Christ, people should see this cross on me everywhere I go. You know, when I came up with the idea to bring this today, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I want to carry it for a week. Everywhere I go, into the bank, into the stores, carry it to church, that people could see and know who I am. I want to read something before I get going here. <clears throat> when I gave my life to Christ, or when I got ordained as a pastor, I never thought that I'd ever be up here preaching the word. I never thought that I would ever be able to do that. But let me tell you something. When God moves in your life, you can do anything. God wants to take you places where you've never been before. You know, when I got ordained, um, I got ordained in Washington. And when I got ordained, this is, this is what was read to me when I, when I was ordained. It says, you are a soldier in God's army. It says, you are a soldier in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is your commanding officer. The Holy Bible is your code of conduct, faith, prayer, and the word are your weapons of warfare. You have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. You are a volunteer in this army. You are enlisted for eternity. You will not get out, sell out. You will not be talked out or pushed out. You must be faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If your God needs you, you must be there. You are not a baby. You do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pimped up. You are a soldier. You are not a wimp. You will be in place saluting your king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send you flowers, gifts, food, cards, or candy. You do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. You must be committed you cannot have your feelings hurt bad enough to turn you around. You cannot be discouraged enough to turn aside. You cannot lose enough to make you quit. Devils cannot defeat you. Peoples cannot disillusion you. Weather cannot weary you. Even sickness cannot stop you. Battles cannot beat you. Money cannot buy you. 
Governments cannot silence you, and hell can't handle you. You are a soldier. Even death cannot destroy you. For when your commander calls from this battlefield, you, you will, he will promote you to captain and then allow you to rule with him. You are a soldier in the army. You must claim victory. You must not give up. You must not turn around. You are a soldier marching heaven bound. Amen. I, I get goosebumps. I get goosebumps when I read that. It reminds me of an oath that I took, a promise that I made to God. You know, I had no direction in my life prior to giving my life to Christ. You know, you read the Bible and it talks about staying on that path. You can't be distracted. A lot of us, a lot of people have problems when they give their life to Christ. And the basis of them problems are lack of belief, lack of faith. See, because when you take up this cross, you have to believe. You have to know. You can't turn me around with your words. You can't turn me around with your money. You can't turn me around with anything of the world. You can't turn me around. See, because I believe 100% to the core that my Jesus died on that cross for my sins. Let me tell you, the devil is going to come at you in ways that you never thought of. He's going to try to bribe you. He's going to try to trick you. He's going to try to cheat you. That's why you have to have faith. You have to know that you are a man of God. You have to know that God exists. Otherwise, the devil will spank your butt and send you running down the road. Trust me, he's been doing it for 2,000 years. He knows what he's doing. Sometimes things may not look the way you want them to look. Things may not be the way you want them to be. But God is always there with you. Let me tell you something. Just in the few hours that I've been carrying this cross around, it's comforting. It's comforting to know that that cross is there, that I can lean on it, that I'm not alone, that you're not alone either. And you need to know that. You need to know that. You need to believe that. And you have to have faith in that. Because there's going to be times when you feel alone. But you're not alone. I can take this cross and I can look at this cross and I can talk to it. I can talk to Jesus. I overheard Liz saying something earlier about, she was talking about how she prayed for something and then, you know, she kind of forgot that she prayed for it and then it came to pass. And how exciting it is when you realize that you had forgot that you prayed about it, but God didn't forget. Amen? I want to read a scripture here. I'm going to read out of Luke. 
Listen to me, you guys. You have to make a decision to believe. You can't waver. You can't go back and forth. Because as long as you believe and you stay on that path, you're going to keep moving forward. You have to make the decision to believe. That today I give my life to Christ and that I believe that God's got this. I believe that Jesus died on that cross for my sins. I believe that I am forgiven. I believe that I am saved. And I believe that I'm going to be with my father someday. You know, there's people out there that call themselves atheists. That's only a temporary situation because my God says that you all will bow to me one day. Amen. Amen. Every one of us. They can try to fool themselves with that. You need to know that. You need to know that 100% to the core of your body. Because when you give it to God and you let God take over, you're going to see miracles. And you're going to see things happen. And you're going to want to keep going that way. But the devil's going to bring things at you. They're going to try to turn your head. And every time we turn our head, all we do is slow down the process. Amen? Let me, let me, read, this, let me read this scripture. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 14, 25, and the title is The Cost of Being a Disciple. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brothers and your sisters and, yes, even your own life. But let me tell you something. You need to understand what this scripture, this scripture says. This scripture is not telling you to hate your mother. It's not telling you to hate anyone. It says by comparison. By comparison that we love God so much more. Not that we don't love our family, but we love God so much more. And I'm here to tell you, I'm going to give you my testimony, and I would not have my wife and my children and my sister, my cousin, I would not have my family today if it wasn't for the fact that I love God so much more. Amen? Because I love God so much, I have the peace that I have today. The peace that I searched for for years and years from a childhood. I have the love that I searched for for years and years living in a home of chaos, screaming, yelling, fighting, drinking, cursing, all the things that went on. You know, I carried a lot of resentment because of that. And therefore, through that resentment, I carried a lot of violence. I carried a, a mean spirit that led me to drug addiction and alcoholism. Until I was with a counselor in Walter's house one time, and his counselor kept asking me, where does all this violence come from? One of my charges was an attempted murder before I went to Walter's house. Two, two counts of assault with serious injuries to a police officer. You know, and that stuff goes on and on. The violence goes way back, way back. And this counselor kept asking me, what is the, what is the core of this violence, this anger that you carry? And we talked and we talked and you know, I never thought that I really carried that kind of resentment against my parents, but I did. I had a father that really loved racing and 
Uh, never went to my baseball games. I mean, I think he went to one or two, but, you know, and I really loved baseball. But listen, this is what he told me. He said, Roy, he said, those people did the best that they could with what they had. You know, when I thought back on it, you know, my mom had like a fourth grade education. Dropped out of school, like fourth, fifth grade, something like that. You know, my dad was raised in a home that was pretty much the same way, a lot of violence. And through giving my life to Christ, I was, a, I was able to just give that to God. I was able to just let it go. I don't have that resentment anymore. It says, yes, even your own life. It says, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. So you need to count the cost. And that's where this is going right here. They're talking about counting the cost before we jump in and, and go giving our lives to Christ. Because you can do more harm than you can good if you jump in there and, and you claim that you love God, you claim to be a Christian, but then you go out there and you keep falling aside. For one thing, other people are looking and they're like, yeah, look at that Christian guy. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not all perfect. We're not perfect. But we need to have faith. We need to know. We need to believe. When people start having doubt, they start falling like flies. Amen? I've seen so many people fall because of disbelief. They want to believe, but they want to run out there and they want to start doing things that they're not ready for yet. And what we have to do is we have to develop that relationship with Christ and we make that decision. And once we make that decision, you make that decision to become that soldier of Christ. And there is no turning back. There's not. You know, the armor of God, they talk about the armor of God, you got the armor in the front, but there's no armor on the back. When you turn from Christ and run the other way, you're fully exposed. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? You need to know what you're getting into. You need to know how powerful your God is that you can have faith in him in any situation. There may be something going on in your life today or, or something going on that you don't understand. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. I think that's one of the biggest problems that people have and why they lose faith because they think they're dealing with Burger King and they want to have it their way. Listen, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us that we are to pick up that cross and that we're to follow him. That means that we don't have to understand he is the commanding officer, as it says right here. It says that the Lord Jesus Christ is your commanding officer. You do not question your commanding officer. Amen? You do not doubt your commanding officer. Through supplication and prayer, we communicate with our commanding officer. Our commanding officer will put it on your heart. You will know what is right and wrong. If you don't, then you need to be talking to him some more. And sometimes you just need to sit still. I know there are people here who are just starting out. Or who just 
looking into God. I want to share with you what God's done in my life. I was looking at 25 years in prison in California, 15 years in Oregon, for about everything you can think of. And let me share something with you. God came to me. God had been there waiting for me for a long time. God told me that I would not receive until I give. I had to start giving to myself and quit sitting around saying, hey, God, I need a new car. Hey, God, I need this. Hey, God, I need that. And I had to start giving of myself. I had to make sacrifices because that's what this is about. It's about love. God is love. Don't ever forget that. And love is a sacrifice. And Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. My commanding officer lets me know that I need to make sacrifices. It says, for who would begin construction on a building without first counting the cost? Now look, you need to, you need to understand what is expected you of you as a Christian. And then you need, you need to make that commitment to be obedient. But make that commitment and don't let anything stop you. I've been in situations where I've had to deal with the city, the county, the state, the federal government. I think the hardest people were to deal with were my friends. Because you're going to, I don't want to hurt this person's feeling, but yet I want this person to respect me for who I am. So I have to make the decision to do what is right. That is why that God has to come first. Because otherwise, the people in your life, there will be situations of people in your life that will try to pull you one direction or another. I'm not here to please you. Amen? I'm here to do what God has instructed me to do. Sometimes that means I may have to tell you something you don't want to hear. I found myself in a situation just yesterday. Last minute situation. When a mighty man of God brought something to my attention. And it required something of me. It required me to go tell a friend, somebody that I love, something that I didn't want to have to tell them. What do you do? You do the right thing. But I honestly believe that they both respect me even more today for the decision that I made. For the news that I had to bring. Amen? You need to understand that when we give our life to Christ, that our objective, our objective is to be obedient to Christ. Through that obedience, it's going to change the way everyone around you looks at you. Remember what I said? What would you think when you see this guy walking down the street carrying this? If you've seen that guy just walking down the street and he's not carrying his cross... You're not going to think of him like you do when you see him carrying that cross. Especially at the end of the day when he's tired or when he's dealing with his children. I want everybody to see me when they look at me. I want them to see me carrying this cross. Even when I don't have it, the cross is always with me. Through my imperfections, through everything that goes on in my life, we all need to pick up that cross and carry it. But you need to think about it. You need to know what's expected of you because something will be expected of you. It says, 
Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. You know how many people only complete the foundation and then run out of Jesus? They run out of money because they didn't want to, they didn't count the cost. They didn't know what they were going to have to do. And then they changed their mind. Amen? Amen. We all are good people. Some of us make bad decisions. You need to count the cost. And then you need to pray. You need to pray to God to provide you everything that you need to continue on. Because it's a weary journey. But it's a joyous one. Amen? Amen? Count it all joy, those trials and tribulations. You know, when I heard Randall talk a while ago about the faith of mustard seed can move mountains. Those mountains are those trials and tribulations, those things that you're not counting the cost of. They're those things that are getting in your way. Those things of resentment that you might carry, something that might carry a heavy burden on your heart, something that may be giving you resentment, someone that is something that is causing you to stumble or fall. That's that mountain. It only takes the faith of a mustard seed. A mustard seed you wouldn't even be able to see on the tip of my thumb. But you have to have the faith. If you have that faith in Christ, all things are possible. You will get your children back. You'll get your wife back. You'll get your truck back. Starting to sound like country western record played backwards, huh? Don't forget the dog. And the dog. But what you will have is you'll have peace. You're going to leave a legacy. Amen. Amen? Amen. When you're gone, people are going to say, there's that mighty man of God I've seen carrying that cross down the street. There's that mighty man of God I've seen dealing with his children with love. There's that mighty man of God that I seen tell the truth one day, even though it cost him. The man who was willing to make a sacrifice for something greater. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen to me. God gave me a message about two weeks ago. He gave me a word to share with you. And I've just been sitting on my seat just itching to tell you. Listen to me, you are healed. You are healed in the name of Jesus. With the faith of a mustard seed, you are healed. I got, to, I got 10 years clean and sober this week. Amen. But you know, I didn't get here by sitting there thinking, man, I want 10 years, I want 10 years. Oh, I just got to stay clean one more day. I was healed. I didn't think about it again. It didn't come at me again because I made that decision and the, and the devil knew it. That won't work. I went to a meeting, an AA meeting the other day, first one I've been to and I can't tell you how long. And I got to say, my name's Roy and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Recover! Not recovering. 
You know, when I first started going into those rooms and I started going to meetings, I was looking around because it was something I was looking for. And it was in that room. Jesus was there. But I'm looking around in that room and I'm seeing these people claiming I got 25 years clean and sober. 20 years clean and sober. I'm here to tell you guys, I want a heck of a lot more than just clean and sober. Amen? I was there to take back what the devil stole from me. I wanted my wife back. I wanted my children back. I wanted my family back. New car would have been nice too. but God has given me the desires of my heart. I was there to take back what the devil had stolen from me. And that's the attitude that you got to have. You got to get ticked off. Say, you know what? I'm getting mine. Just like you did when you were in your addiction and you're running all over town looking for something you wanted. I'm getting mine. I'm getting mine back. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you know what? I didn't just get mine back, but Randy got his back too. We're all getting it back. My sister's getting it back. My cousin's getting it back. All it takes is that faith of that mustard seed. That's what that means. You need to know them scriptures. You need to know what that means. That means that those trials and tribulations, those things will be moved away from you. Amen. They will. Not they might. Not I hope they do. They will. Let me tell you something. One of the mightiest person of faith is my wife. I watch my wife stand on things, and I'm like, well, yeah, God's willing. Oh, no, it will. And she will tell you that. If you know my wife, you know it. And you know what? He does. I see things happen. I'm just like, wow. It's faith. I've seen people healed through their faith. God created an amazing mind in us. He created a, a, an amazing body that has the ability to heal itself in the name of Jesus. To heal itself. I've seen people go in the hospital with cancer. They go in there to take it out. They take an x-ray before they go in there just so they know exactly where they're going. And they get there and it disappeared right in front of them. They watched it disappear. That is amazing. That's how amazing our God is. You have to know that. People need to be just pounding it into you that God is real. That God's power is real. God will heal you. He will deliver you from that addiction. He will provide you with the things that you need. If you'll just have the faith of a mustard seed. Amen? He'll move them mountains. I've seen so many people. God didn't just heal me, but he's healing everybody in the circle around me. Amen? Amen. I quit smoking. I can name about 20 people that quit smoking at the, about, right after I did. I quit using. People quit using around me. I quit cussing. People don't cuss around me no more. I remember when I first got out of Walter's house. 
You know, one of the first things I wanted to clean up was the way I talked. We had to start with the basics here. I wanted to start with the way I talked. I remember my first visit, I went out to my brother's. My brother's rebuilding a motor. He's got it on a motor stand. He's like, oh, things weren't going good. He wasn't happy. And he's all, F this, F that. I'm like, and I'm standing there and I'm looking at him and I'm going, wow, I just sound just like that. And you know what? It started making me sick. It started making me sick at my stomach. And I was like, hey, bro, you really got to talk like that? He's like, F you. <laughs> And I'm standing there, and I'm like, wow, you know. I mean, I love my brother. I do. I love my brother probably as much as I love anybody. But standing there, I start thinking, man, this ain't for me. This ain't me no more. And I remember I polite told my brother, hey, look, bro, you know, I just realized, you know, I, uh, I got somewhere I got to be. And my brother's, oh, hey, baby, hey, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Roy, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry, bro. I'll, I'll, I'll watch my mouth. I'm sorry. I was just, just upset. But you know, through people seeing the, the, the love of Christ in me, it changed them. I didn't have to tell you, oh, that's dirty, filthy. You need to quit talking like that. No. All I had to do was show them how ugly it made me feel. And that I'm not willing to do that anymore. My brother saved today. My brother's given his life to Christ, his children, my sister. Look, God loves us. And he's got an awesome power that he wants to share with you. If you can just believe, if you can just take up that faith, just, just get there, just get alone for a minute and talk to God and say, wow, God, you know, I want that. I want what you have for me. And then you have to be willing to do this. You have to be willing to make a sacrifice. You have to be willing to realize what's more important in the long run. Don't look at the now. Look at the future. Amen? Amen. Look at the impact that you have on that woman sitting next to you. Look at the impact that you have on that child. Think about it. Talk to God. Carry your cross with pride. That everyone around you knows who you are in Christ. They know what your heart is about. They know that you've been hurt. But you know what? You need to claim healing. Don't go around and talk about how hurt you are no more. Because we're not here to feel sorry for one another. I'm not here to feel sorry for myself. I'm here to share with you the testimony of what Christ has done in my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Listen, if there's anybody here that's new here, anybody here that hasn't given your life to Christ, why don't you come on up here? Read this to me. Read it to Jesus. Give it to God. You know, when I walked to that courtroom, and I pled guilty to all them charges. Look, I didn't come to Christ because I was just on a roll here. I came to Christ because there was no other way. I had already completely exhausted everything that I had in the world. Everything. 
my family, my money, my mental stability, my health. I was in a place where there was nothing left but this guy named Jesus. And I come to him and I said, Jesus, if you're real, now's the time to show it. Because I promise you, if you can take this life and you can do something with it, I'll give it to you. Because I was going to prison. I was done. I was, it was a done deal. And I walked into the courtroom. I said, okay, God, you know, if you're going to do something with this, and you know, I'm not supposed to lie. Can't lie no more. So I walk into the courtroom. I said, I'm guilty. Pretty much. And you know what happened? The judge said, if there ever was a man with integrity, it's that man right there. And I'm like, wow. Like, wow, I can't believe this. She's saying I got integrity. Ain't nobody said anything good about me in 10 years. And right then, it all started turning around. All of a sudden, the, the DA, of course, they wanted, to, they wanted to hang me. But this judge kept saying, no, let me talk to Florence Gaynor. No, we can do something with him. Wow. Let me tell you something. If you can confess your sin, God can do something with you. Amen? If you can see the errors in your ways, if you can see the wrong, and you can come to Christ, and you can confess your sins, and give it to God and say, God, take this over, God can do something with you. God's got a plan for you, and it's going to be amazing. But you got to be willing to do something that you never thought you would ever do before. You think, I thought, oh, hey, you know, I think I'll be a preacher when I get older. I think I'll go get ordained. I think I'll do drugs for 25 years, and then I'll just go become a pastor. <laughs> Pastorism wasn't, wasn't part of my plan. But God showed me something. Look, God showed me that I love people. God showed me that I'm not that man that I thought I was. I thought I was all tough. I was bad, dude. He ain't messing with me. I will pop your tires. I will kick your butt. I will scream and yell at you. You ain't messing with me. I wasn't that tough. Because when it came down to it, I was missing something. I needed God. And that's all you need. All you need is God in your life to show you how to love that woman. To show you how to love that child. How to love your sister or your cousin. How to love your mother or your father or your friend. How to love your pastor. Thank you, pastor. You know, Pastor Ben told me years ago when I first came in here, it was really crazy because I came in with my wife. I was actually using. This is before we were married, you know, but I live next door and she's telling me, oh, come on, come to church with me. Come to church with me. I thought, well, she's kind of cute, man. I'll go to church with you. You know, and I came in here, big cowboy hat on. Back then I used to wear a big, long black duster, you know, thought I was Jesse James. You know, I came in here and I sat, I think we were sitting right back over in there. Old Pastor Ben was preaching it up, boy. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm getting madder and madder. Thinking, this is bull. And we walked out of that church. I'm thinking, boy, man, you wait. I, I got some words for her. We got to that church. And I'm like, that, that, that's the lowest thing I ever seen. You went and talked to him and you told him everything about me, didn't you? <laughs> hey, that's on my skin. I swear that. I swear to you. That's exactly what I thought. I yelled at her. I, I, I chewed her out all the way home. She was bawling by the time we got home. That's the most low-life trick i ever seen in my life. I don't want no, no more to do with no church. Don't you ever try to drag me in no church again. And so I went on my own way, and I went down a pretty rough path for a couple more years. And then I remember my father-in-law was dying, and Pastor Ben was there in the hospital, and I showed up at the hospital with Kelly, and, and we were standing there, and uh, her father passed. And I had walked outside, and she told me, she said, now this is, this is later, this is, I've given my life to Christ now, right? And uh, I'm up there with her, and Pastor Ben says to Kelly, he says, who is that guy? And she said, well, that's Roy. You know Roy, remember? He came to church with me. You know, I'd met him a couple times. He says, Roy. He goes, that ain't the Roy I knew. See, because even everything changed about me, inside out. Everything d changed. And I remember I came over here to talk to Pastor Ben because I was going through some spiritual, some spiritual growth, and, and a lot of things were happening that I didn't understand. And, and I remember I came to Ben, and, and we were sitting in his office over there, and I opened up, and I wanted to share some things with him that I had never shared with anybody. And one of the things I shared with him was that I had this fear that if I ever got my life together, got my wife together and my, my kids and, and owned my own home and had a good job, that if I ever got that all going, that I was going to die. I really believed that I only survived on my sheer will and honoriness. That anger. And I'll never forget what Pastor Ben told me. He said, Roy, that man did die. And the hair just stood up on the back of my neck because I knew exactly what he was talking about and he was 100% right. Anybody that knew me 10 years ago would know that I am not that same person at all. At all. That man died and a new man was born. I am a born-again Christian. Amen? And I remember him telling me, he said, Roy, you were called to preach. And I was like, what? You got to be kidding me. No, no, no. I want to be one of the guys that sits there over there and listens and, you know, goes to breakfast after church. And, you know, I'll be back here every Sunday, maybe, maybe a Wednesday here and there. I never in a million years would have dreamed that I'd be running a ministry full time, eight days a week, doing ministry for God. No, not for God, with God. Amen? I never dreamed that that's what I would be doing. And I remember I went home and I'm, oh my gosh, God just bombarded me, man. I remember a couple days later, I'm standing in my kitchen and God's telling me you were called to preach. Pastor Ben, he told you, you know, you were called to preach. And 
I'm having this conversation with God walking around in my kitchen. Like, oh, God, what do you mean preach? Where am I going to preach? I got no church. I got no congregation. Ain't nobody going to listen to me. I remember my daughter was there. I'm literally talking to myself or talking to God, having this conversation. I mean, God was pushing me. He wanted me to go right now. I'm like, all right, where am I going to go? He spoke to me as clear as day, he said, the courthouse. And all of a sudden, I knew in my heart, I knew what he was talking about. There's people there that are going there for divorces. They're going to jail. They're, they're being sued. All these things going on, they're losing their children. And God wanted me to go there and preach. I believe that was a test of God that day to see if I would be obedient. Because God had great plans for me. I'm like, okay. My daughter was there. I think it was Tamron. I said, Tamron? I said, come on, I'm going to make these two signs and we're going down to the courthouse. And she's all, what? <laughs> and uh, I go, yeah, God just spoke to me and he told me to make these two signs. And I, made these, I still got one of them. It's all faded out. But it says, when all else fails, follow directions, the word of God in the Holy Bible. And I was like, well, that's got to be from God because I ain't that talented. You know what I mean? That sounds good. So I made these two signs. I remember my wife got madder and heck at me because I cut off the broom and the mop for handles for the, for the sign. But I had faith. I firmly believed that it, if this was in God's will, that he would provide me with a new mop and a new broom. And I made these two signs. I said, come on, Tamara, let's go. And she goes, I'm not going down there. You're crazy. I go, no, really, Cameron, I'm not kidding. He said to go down there. Oh, well, you're going by yourself, she said. I said, like, fine, okay, I will. So I took the two signs, and I, we lived over on North Street at the time. I walked down the street around the corner, walked up to the courthouse, and just as I was getting ready to step on the courthouse lawn, this voice said, these guys are going to think you're crazy. It dawned on me that these guys are just going to think I'm nuts. Ain't nobody going to listen to me. But let me tell you something. God told me the most profound thing right there. He said, Roy, do you care about what they think or do you care about what I think? Just like that. I'm not kidding. Boy, whoop, whoop, man, them signs went up and I started marching down the, I started marching. Okay, God, I ain't messing with him. He just saved me from 40 years of prison. I know what he can do. He can give it right back to me. I started marching down that sidewalk I got down there, and I'm marching around the, the flagpole down there, and I'm holding up my signs. And all of a sudden, this lady walks by, and she's all, praise God. I'm like, wow, that's all right. And I carry my signs. I'm walking around, and pretty soon, somebody else walks by, and they're all, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. See, till you stand up and let them see you with this cross, they don't know who you are. We have to bear the cross. What happened was this guy comes up to me and I start talking to him. And he says, man, I'm here. I'm going through a divorce. And, and listen, this is something I want to share with you too. God gave you a testimony. And I start talking to this guy. He's like, well, what, what do I do? I said, well, I don't know. I'm kind of new at this. I said, uh, let's go sit down over here. So we went and sat down and I, I went to the concordance in my Bible. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm, we're talking new here. I'm wet behind the ears, man. I'm telling you, I'd, I'd only been, 
I had only been a Christian maybe a week or two. I sit down with this guy, we start reading his Bible, and I start reading, looking up stuff about divorce. I start looking things about love. I start looking up things about healing. And we prayed. And he got up and he went into that courtroom. And I got up and I walked back over there and I took up my position as a soldier I was, and I started marching around that flagpole again. Pretty soon I look up. You guys have been in the courthouse, right? Yeah, right. Uh, all the big brass doors up there. I'm standing there all by myself, and I look up there, and there's like 10 cops all standing there like this. <laughs> you got to remember, I'm still going through a court case, right? They're, they're looking at me, and they're going, oh, boy, he lost it now. <laughs> and I'm looking, you know, and I'm kind of nervous. You know, cops look at me. I get a little nervous, you know, and I'm like, wow, man, you know, I'm doing nothing wrong. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope I'm not breaking a law that I don't know about. And I'm standing there, and like, pretty soon this guy comes, comes down, this cop. He comes, comes marching down there. Comes down there. And I'm standing there like, uh-oh, here we go. He says, I just want to tell you, you can't be down here and block the path for people trying to go to court. Have you guys ever seen that area down here? You've seen it down there. I mean, there's like 40 feet that way and 50 feet that way. And I'm like, I don't think I'm blocking anybody. I'm just telling you. And he turns around, he marches back up there. I start, I start carrying my cross. I'm walking around some more. I'm walking around, I'm carrying my sign. And then God told me, you can go home now. I turned around, I went home. Let me tell you something. I've seen people that have had a lot of education, a lot of schooling, and, and, but they don't want to preach. They're like, well, I'm not, I just don't feel like I'm ready yet. Well, look, I only had two weeks. Just remember, you have a testimony. We were saved by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. The power of your testimony. There's power in what God has done in your life. How is anybody going to know if you just sit there and hold it in and you don't share it? Amen? Amen. We were called to give that testimony. That's why we have the SWAT team. Servants with a testimony. Amen? Amen? Share your testimony. Next time you're sitting on the bus, next time you're sitting at the DMV, man, you can preach to 100 people there, man. You'd be there forever. Wherever you're at, carry your cross. Share the love of Christ. You don't got to be brilliant. God will tell you what to say. I had no idea what I was going to say when I got up here tonight. I did find a scripture that the Lord put on my heart, and he'll put one on yours. Amen? All right, let's pray out. Dear Lord, Father Jesus, I just thank you, Father God, for this day. I thank you, Father God, for my family. I thank you, Father God, for having that faith in me. I thank you, Father God, for using me, giving me a purpose in my life, Father God. I just ask you, Father God, for whoever this message was meant for out there, Father God, I pray that their heart was open to receive it. I pray that they count the cost 
and then they build it. You know, Father God, sometimes if we feel like we're falling short, we know that all we got to do is call upon you and you will provide. I pray, Father God, for each and every person in here, Father God, I pray for a healing. I pray for a healing on them that if they just have the faith of a mustard seed, Father God, that they get up and they walk out of this building tonight free, free from addiction, free from the world, that they're just free from whatever it is that's holding them back, Father God. I pray, Father God, for you to move them mountains, to start moving them right now, Father God, to move them mountains, Father God, that they see the miracle, that they see your power, Father God, that you share that power with them, Father God, that they see it and that they know. I pray, Father God, for them to open their eyes to you, Father God, to see your strength and to see your power and to see the things that you do in their lives and the miracles that you perform around them every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah.